Welcome to the seventh episode of our series, To Live One Must Die. Up to this point, we have surveyed the sinfulness of man and his unwillingness and inability to draw near to God. We also examined God's intervention in the restoration of man. Because human merits and works are to no avail, God alone is able to restore man to a healthy relationship with God, not on the basis of works done by man in righteousness, but according to God's own mercy through the work and person of His Son, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through whom every repentant sinner is justified on the basis of His faith. We also study the quality of character and of life that sets apart a true disciple of Christ from the unbelieving world, namely death to self, death to the world, and suffering for the sake of Christ and of the gospel. In our most recent episode, we talked about the blessedness of being dead to sin and alive in Christ. Today we will look at the power of Christ over the most vicious enemy of man, death, for he alone can conquer it. Christ is the conqueror of death. No human being is able to escape by his own doing the inexorable death sentence, the wages of sin. For among those born of women, No one is able to keep the law of God perfectly, for sin has enslaved the soul of man. Christ is the only human being who has ever lived, and there will never be one like him, who was able to perfectly obey the law of God on behalf of all those who will ever believe in him. Under the law, death reigned because of sin, But in Christ, grace abounds much more. Grace reigns through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 verse 21. He destroyed sin and defeated death by his atoning sacrifice on the cross. As the author of the book of Hebrews writes, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrews 9 verse 12 Thus the Lord was able to redeem the souls of his elect. He was able to raise us who believe on him from spiritual deadness and to bring us into life eternal according to the riches of his grace. As Hebrews 10 verse 14 says, By a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Christ offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience from dead works so that we may serve the living God. Hebrews 9 verse 14 Christ is our mediator. For he died to redeem us from all lawlessness. See verse 15. Through him we have received the promised eternal inheritance, 
which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. As Paul writes in Romans 6 verse 4 to 7, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Just as he has raised us, his children, from spiritual death, the day is coming when the Lord will sovereignly restore to life all those who are physically dead, believers and non-believers alike. The triumphal victory of our Lord over death, that is, his resurrection from the dead three days after his burial, substantiates God's promise of bodily resurrection of the dead in the future. When that time comes, unbelievers will be raised to face eternal torment in hell and believers to enter into God's eternal glory. For all of us who are in Christ have been baptized into his death and raised with him by the glorious power of God the Father. He conquered death for us who are in him so that we might live with him in the presence of our God forever. And so Paul writes in Romans 6 verse 8 to 11. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul also expressed his confidence in God's power to raise believers from the dead when he writes in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 to 14. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Christ died as our substitute on the cross to purchase our redemption. His vicarious death sets us free from the bondage of sin and death. It saves us from the wrath to come. Christ's death and resurrection brought victory over death to all those who will turn away from their sins and put their trust in him. Even Caiaphas, one of the prominent public enemies of our Lord and high priest in his days, recognized the expediency of the substitutionary death of Christ. However, Caiaphas's intent and motives were evil. He, like many other Jews' religious leaders, who hated Christ 
wanted to preserve his position and influence among the people. Also, these religious leaders and the people thought the Messiah would come and free them from the oppression from Rome. The work and ministry of Christ therefore fell short of their expectations. Rather than defending them from Rome, Christ instead exposed their hypocrisy and spiritual deadness. Therefore, they resolved to kill him because he was a hindrance to their malicious activities. For they were preying upon the weak and leading people astray with their legalism. And when many people were drawn to Christ, which implied the rejection of the false teachings of the religious leaders, the latter became enraged and sought to kill the Lord in order to maintain their influence among the people. When the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council to plot the murder of our Lord after he had raised Lazarus from the dead, they said this about Jesus. What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. John 11, verse 47 to 48. To this, Caiaphas responded, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Verse 49 to 50. Verse 51 to 52 tells us that Caiaphas did not see this of his own accord. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Christ came so that the nation Israel and all of God's children scattered throughout the nations might not perish because of sin. No one else but Christ can set sinners free from the sting of death. For he is the only righteous man, the perfect Lamb of God. He came and lived the perfect life we can never live and offered himself willingly as a propitiation for our sins. He died as our substitute, conquering death for us who believe in him. Christ is our victory over death. Which means that if Christ our Lord had not died for sin, we will all perish, for there will be no salvation for us sinners. The death and resurrection of Christ was to bring salvation to the sons of men, for no one is able to satisfy the demands of God's law, for we are all inherently deceitful, wicked, hostile to God, rebellious, and foolish by nature. The only one who could satisfy the law's demands was Christ, the only righteous man, the God-man, because of his impotency, that is, his sinlessness. Therefore, he willingly and voluntarily offered himself as a sacrifice so that his righteousness might be graciously imputed to those who will put their trust in him. Those who reject Christ 
reject his penal substitutionary atonement. For this reason, they themselves will pay the full penalty for their sins because they have rejected the precious blood of God's Son who takes away the sins of the world. For as Hebrews 9 verse 22 points it out, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Therefore, they will live throughout eternity under divine curse and their souls will rot under the yoke which will hold their necks captive forever. Their sins will never be forgiven. They will never be able to appease the wrath of God for their wickedness will testify against them and condemn them. Thus, their portion will be torment and wrath throughout eternity. In the day to come, the Lord will raise both the wicked and the righteous. That is, those who died in their sins and those who died believing in the Lord. He will condemn the wicked for their deeds of evil and send them to hell, where wrath and torment will be their portion forever. But we believers will be given a glorified body by our Lord. He will take us into his glorious kingdom and will reign with us forever. Christ will be our King and God throughout eternity. For the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies. As Romans 8 verse 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit will dwell in you. The Lord gave us a foretaste of bodily resurrection of the dead during his earthly ministry by raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus had been in the tomb four days and his corpse had already begun to decay. And our Lord's own resurrection is an undeniable guarantee of the future bodily resurrection of all the dead, good and evil alike, promised by God. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of God, anyone who dies in the Lord shall live through him. Even if our physical body perishes, we will be restored to life by the Lord our God. For he has conquered death for all those who share in his death, refuse to obey sin, bear their cross daily, and follow him faithfully wherever he goes. All those who abide in the Lord, although they may fall to the sword of men, shall live forever. As the Lord says in Matthew 16 verse 25, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who hates his life in this world rejects a life of sin to embrace a life of righteousness, for he is dead to sin and alive in Christ. And death, the wages of sin, has no grip on him because he no longer serves sin. Since he is no longer enslaved by sin, he is now Christ's slave, a slave of righteousness. He lives in and for Christ, 
and Christ lives in him. And because Christ lives, he also lives. Therefore, death no longer has a hold on us who believe in Christ Jesus. And before we are taken into the kingdom of our Lord, we will each receive a glorified body. All those who died in the Lord will be raised, each with a glorified body. For as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 to 55, this perishable body we now have must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. All death, where is your victory? All death, where is your stink? But those who reject the Lord will be raised to face the second death, that is, hell. The Lord came into the world to set people free from darkness and from the stink of death. He came to save those who sit in the shadow of death. John 8 verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Verse 51, Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Before our conversion, death had a hold on us. We were separated from our God, dead in trespasses and sins. Now, having been cleansed by the precious blood of our Lord through faith in Him, we have been reconciled to God and set free from the dominion of sin and its consequences. Thus, our Lord gave us victory over death while we were yet His enemies. This truth is a building block of our assurance. For as Paul says in Romans 5 verse 10, If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. For being sealed into God's love by the Spirit of love, nothing can ever separate us from our God. Speaking of the inviolability and the eternality of the love of God for us who are in Christ, Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 38 to 39. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are still lost in darkness, if you are not a true believer in Christ the Savior, I urge you to seek the light. Turn to the Lord while He is near, lest you remain in the shadow of death. Run now to Christ, in whom life is found, lest Death pierces you with a stink. For the day is coming when many will seek the Lord and will find him no more. But face the fierce and righteous anger of the Lord because of their wickedness. 
We all need to know the Lord. And this knowledge begins with the acknowledgement of your spiritual bankruptcy. Unless you acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you are unable to save yourself and turn to Christ, the light of life, in repentance and faith, your sins will not be forgiven. Hence, you will die, still being at enmity with God, and your soul won't find rest for all eternity. Those who are of the world, that is, anyone who rejects the gospel of Christ, anyone who believes a watered-down gospel, the self-righteous, all will die in their sins and go to hell. They cannot enter the kingdom of God. The Lord declares in Jeremiah 17, verse 13, Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forgotten the Lord, the fountain of living waters. The New Testament relates the hostility of the Jews' religious leaders toward the Messiah and their pretense of righteousness, especially the Pharisees. Although these were of the world, in their own minds they thought they were right with God. They hated the Messiah, revived him, sought to trap and kill him many times. They denied the deity and authority of Christ, blatantly rejected him, and ended up killing him. When the Lord confronted them for their wickedness in John 8, he said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. John 8 verse 21 This is true of anyone who rejects the Lord. They cannot enter his kingdom, for they are of their father, the devil. They are of the world, just like those self-righteous religious leaders who plotted and killed the Messiah, and to whom he said in verse 23 to 24, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. The desire of the Lord our God is to see sinners turn to him for forgiveness. For he wills to give life to everyone who forsakes his evil ways. His desire is not to see people die in their sins and go to hell. He has always called sinners to repentance and warned them of coming judgments. In the Old Testament, he made a call through his prophets. For instance, in Ezekiel 18, verse 30 to 32, the Lord calls Israel to forsake her evil ways and turn to the Lord in repentance, in order for her to receive life and escape judgment, saying, Therefore I will judge you, all house of Israel, everyone according to his ways declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. 
Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and leave. In the New Testament, God sent his own son to call sinners to turn to him. The son came and completed his earthly ministry by his death on the cross, followed by his resurrection from the dead three days after. And before his ascension back to glory, the Lord commissioned his apostles and disciples to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Lord continues to call people all over the world, even today through the preaching of his written word, the gospel, to turn to him in repentance and faith, to seek forgiveness in his name in order to be crowned with life. The Lord is very patient with us, but his patience will run out one day and he will unleash his wrath upon the ungodly. To borrow the language of 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Lord is waiting for all his elect to be saved. But many people continue to interpret the Lord's patience as the absence of coming judgments. They confuse God's long-suffering with impotence. Therefore, they scoff the Lord and revive his spirit. For as 2 Peter 3 verse 5 to 7 says, they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Nahum 1 verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilt. His way is in whirlwind and storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. If God did not spare those who despise his authority in the past, do you think that you would trample on the food, the precious blood of his son, and revive his spirit, will escape his wrath? Don't be fooled by the position that many people have today. They tend to separate the God of the Old Testament from the God of the New Testament. They portray the God of the Old Testament as a God of wrath, as opposed to the God of love of the New Testament, who, according to them, tolerates sin and loves rebellious evildoers unconditionally. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13 verse 8. He is a God of love and a God of wrath, immutable from eternity to eternity. Revelation 19 verse 15 to 16 reads, From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, 
and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As the image of the invisible God, the God-man Christ is the greatest revelation of God's glory to mankind. 1 John 4 verse 9 to 10 reads, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christ embodies God's glorious and gracious love for sinners. He is the rock of salvation for those who turn away from sin, but a rock of offense for the ungodly. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Matthew 21 verse 44 Anyone who rejects Christ chooses God's wrath, not his tender mercies. He chooses death rather than life. Set before you today are two ways, life and death. I urge you to free from perdition. Cling to Christ the Savior and he will crown you with life eternal. Turn away from your sins and put your trust in Christ the Lord. He alone can save you from the wrath to come. There is salvation in no other name. Do not wait for the day of the Lord to come upon you. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Zephaniah 1 verse 14 to 18. Stay tuned for the next episode entitled the ungodly, and the grim reality of life after death.